If you have your Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find or open to the book of Acts. Uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 6, and that's where we're going to be starting. We're going to look at a little bit of chapter 7 too, but Acts chapter 6 is where we're going to start. Uh, Acts is in the New Testament. It's after the four Gospels, the telling of Jesus' time here on earth. Uh, and Luke was not only the author of the Gospel of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And two weeks ago, we started this series... And Pastor Josiah started the series off, and we are calling the series The Not-So-New Way. The Not-So-New Way. And I'm just going to say this, because this is my time where I get the mic. I got vetoed on what I wanted to call this series. I wanted to call it This is the Way. And if there's any Star Wars fans in here, you would understand The Mandalorian, This is the Way. I thought it was way cool, but I got vetoed because he said him and I would be the only two that would get it. So... We are calling it the not-so-new way so that it makes sense to everybody and not just us. And in this series, we're going to be going through the book of Acts and looking at what the apostles uh, and early followers of Jesus did after he ascended to be with the Father. And I just want to really quickly recap for those of you that have not been here the last couple weeks. Uh, Jesus, it got to the point Jesus resurrected and he's spending time with his disciples and it's about time for him to go back to the Father. And he's like, okay, so I'm going to go. And they're like, what? You're, you're going to go? They still didn't get it. They still didn't understand what was happening. And Jesus is like, are you serious? This is like everything I've ever been teaching you for the last three and a half. Like, come on, guys, pay attention. Uh, and so they were still a little bit confused and wondering what was going to happen. But they did actually obey. They stayed in Jerusalem, uh, spent time in prayer and studying the scriptures. And then in week two, Pastor Josiah talked about, we see the coming of the promise that Jesus spoke to them about, about the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, and how the Holy Spirit empowered them to accomplish this mission and this plan that Jesus had laid out for them. And then last week, we looked at a very short portion of scripture, but we saw some of the division and the diversity that was in the early church and how the apostles approached those issues and how they handled those. And we really looked at it this way, that it, the division and the diversity wasn't, wasn't the problem. It was how it was supposed to be. It was a part of God's plan to move the church forward. And Pastor Josiah challenged us by asking us these two questions. He left us with this. How am I intentionally interacting with people from a different sphere than me? Am I intentionally putting myself out there and interacting with people that are in a different sphere from me? And the second question was this. Is do my prayers reflect a heart that longs for diversity? that longs for it. Not praying prayers that people would change so that they think the way you think, but actually changing your heart for God's heart and how he sees diversity and the good things that can happen there. And so this week, I have the opportunity to speak on the story of Stephen. That's where we are in the book of Acts. And I was super excited about it. Uh, and we were introduced to him briefly last week when we talked about the seven that were chosen to help with the issues that were happening in the early church of the widows and the orphans. They felt some were being neglected because of different uh, people groups. And so we were introduced to Stephen last week, and uh, he, was helping, he was chosen to help distribute food to those in need. And so that's where we're going to start this morning. And so if you are willing and you are able this morning, would you please stand with me as we read from God's word? I just love that we stand up. Like I said, if you're not able to, don't worry about it. But I just love this where we posture ourselves to be ready to hear from God this morning. And so again, Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 8. And it says this, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, 
performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We've heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the story of Stephen. I just pray, God, that as we look at your word today, as we look at his life and his speech that he gives, God, that we would take it to heart for our own lives. This wasn't just for the audience that he was speaking to, but God, it is for us this morning. God, I just pray that it would be your words and not mine this morning, that you would change us and challenge us, and we give you this time. Help us to just be seeking you out, open our ears and open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to do this. Give somebody a high five when you sit down. Come on, let's have some fun. Like, Josiah never does that, and I think we should. Come on. All right. All right. I like to have fun. Come on. So being a little presumptuous this morning, I'm guessing that most of us have maybe heard the story of Stephen before. And like I said, maybe you haven't. You're like, I have no clue who Stephen is. I will fill you in. Believe me, you'll know who Stephen is by the time we're done. But I remember growing up and hearing the story of Stephen and how he was the first martyr for the Christian faith. And then you walked out of Sunday school and went, well, that was nice. Okay, right? And that's about all you knew of Stephen. Uh, but today I really want us to go a little bit deeper into who Stephen was, a little bit of his character, what stood out about him, uh, and to really take a look at his speech that he gave and how it cha should challenge each and every one of us to change things in our own lives today. Because once again, I love that the Word of God wasn't just for them back then. It wasn't a story just to be told. This is something that is living and active and can change our hearts if we are willing to open ourselves up to that. And so Stephen, last week, we saw he was appointed this administrative task. He was in charge of handing food out. And he was a Greek Jew who we saw as being described even last week as being full of God's grace and power. I think it's also important for us to understand that while Stephen was tasked with this administrative work, it did not keep him from being aware of other areas for God to use him. I love that our missionaries just said that pretty much. That they were not, doors were closed, they couldn't go where they wanted to go, but they still saw opportunities to serve God how they could. Stephen did the same thing. He was given this task, but he still saw the other opportunities to serve. I also want to just have us pause for a moment here and state the important role of the Holy Spirit in Stephen's life. The power and the boldness of Stephen, him being so full of the Spirit and how it guided and directed him and what he should say and do. It should inspire us to seek out the same thing, to being guided and directed by the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can fulfill the purpose and plan that God's ha God has for each and every one of our lives. 
It's inspiring. Stephen's story really, too, when I started looking into it, in a way is kind of a bridge between Peter and the Apostle Paul's ministry. We'll meet Saul at the end of our story today, who later became the Apostle Paul. But he's actually, Stephen's story is this bridge, because the beginning of Acts, we saw Peter's ministry, and it was dominated in Jerusalem to the Jews. That's where his focus was. And later in the book of Acts, we see Paul's ministry. It went into the world. And Stephen's story, Stephen's life, what Stephen did, served as a catalyst that sent the church from Jerusalem into the world. It was a catalyst. In a sense, Stephen was this forerunner for Paul because he set a pattern of going to synagogues and communicating the gospel that Paul used the exact same way. He would go into these different towns on his missionary trips. He would find the synagogue, and he would begin to speak the gospel. Stephen, most likely, was probably one of the first to expose Saul to the full gospel. And we, again, we will see Saul later. I also want to just point out that Stephen's, has, there's great proof that the effectiveness, the effectiveness of his ministry has nothing to do with the length of it. It doesn't matter how long that we, the impression that we can make on people, it can be a minute or two. It can make a difference. His ministry was short, and I'm maybe being a little presumptuous about that because this is all Luke has given us. Maybe there's way more, and I'm way off on that, and I'm willing to say I'm wrong. But from what I can see, his ministry was short, and yet it shot the church into the next step of God's plan. God knew it was time for the church to move, and Stephen, he was going to be the key. Which leads me to one of my first points for us this morning, is this. We need to understand that every day we have the potential to be the catalyst of pushing someone towards God or away from God. I don't know if you guys remember your science class. I kind of paid attention. Let's be real. I wasn't a great student. But a catalyst is a substance that speeds up a chemical reaction or lowers the temperature or the pressure needed to start one without it itself being consumed to the reaction. It's one piece. I'm not saying that we're the ones that are, it's got to be God working through us, but we are a a crucial part of it. We're that catalyst that, that has to set something off. To put it in terms of our faith, maybe there's somebody out there that's trying to seek God and they're trying to read the Bible and they're like, man, I don't get it. And they're trying to go to church and they can't, just nothing seems to click and they just don't understand and they're about ready to give up. You could be that catalyst. Maybe you share your story. Maybe you share what you have experienced, what God has done in your life, and that can spark something to shoot them into the next part of their story. We can be the catalyst for somebody knowing who God is. We can be the catalyst for where they'll spend eternity. And we need to be aware of this. Because if we are aware of this and we wake up every morning with this awareness, it will change how we live. That we won't just live for ourselves, but we're going to live for the kingdom of God. It's so important. So important. So those are just some of the characteristics of Stephen that I looked at that I thought was super important that usually we blow by. And I think, man, we need to take hold of this. We need to take hold of this. So what got everybody all wound up? We've seen where we ended our scripture reading when we were, uh, what's everybody so wound up about? Everybody's ticked off. He's standing before a high council. 
And uh, he's performing signs and miracles before the people. He spoke with wisdom. Nobody could debate. I love in the message translation like this, they're all wound up, you know, like they're blasphemy. I love that it says this man talks nonstop, right? Like we can't shut him up. Uh, we can't get him to stop talking about this. Uh, we can't debate him. We're frustrated. So what do they do when you can't win an argument? What do we do when we can't win an argument? We make stuff up. Come on. We can't win an argument. We'll throw something that has nothing to do with it, throw it in the hat, throw it in the air, and here we go. We're going to pick this one. Uh, we've seen this a time or two in our lives, right? Whether it's uh, maybe it's in your home. I hope not. Come on, let's be real. Uh, but maybe it's politics. Even in the church, it's been done. People don't get along about something. Stuff in our society. People make stuff up when they can't make their point. They can't make their argument. And so they made stuff up. They accused him of dishonoring Moses, that he spoke against the temple, against the Torah, and against God. And so they've arrested him, and they drug him before a high council. And we ended uh, with everyone in the high council staring at Stephen because his face became bright as an angel's. I want to know what Luke meant there. I'm like, what? How does he know what? I have no idea what an angel's face looks like. It's definitely not this. It's not this. Just ask my husband. Come on. He would tell you, certainly not. Uh, but maybe, maybe what we're to understand here this morning is this, is that there is a light that was illuminating from Stephen from the inside. That he had this peace and confidence to him, but he was humble. He was so sure of what he knew, and it didn't matter what they were going to throw at him. He was willing to take it. So here he is, accused, looking like an angel. What happens next? We saw the high priest ask him, are these accusations true? And over the next 52 verses, Stephen responds. And he basically tells a story. And I'm going to try and save us a little bit of time because I don't, and you don't want to hear me read 52 verses, right? So I'm going to try and give you an overview of his speech. But hear, hear this. Open up your Bible this week and read Acts chapter 7. What does God say to you? What does God speak to you through what Stephen says? And like I said, Stephen begins like a story once upon a time, an Israelite. No, he didn't really say it that way. But he begins by going back in history, and he tells the story of the Israelite people at its most fundamental place because their favorite thing to say was, we are the sons of Abraham. So Stephen's like, fine, let's start at Abraham. And so he, he starts with God's call of Abraham. And Stephen's objective when he talked about Abraham was this, is to show that God doesn't just live in Jerusalem at the temple, but that God is really everywhere. And in verses 3 through 8, Stephen shows that God appears, he speaks, he moves, he gives inheritance, he promises, judges, and gives a covenant. Phew, he does a lot. And he shows how God appears when and where he wishes. He directs and moves people and gives promises that will be fulfilled in unbelievable ways. That's ways that you cannot even imagine. And Stephen paints Abraham as this man willing to answer the call of God and go where God wanted him to go. He then dives into the story of Joseph and shows how that Joseph is also a man of faith. And it was through Joseph's faith that God was with him and rescued him from all of his troubles. Again, in the, like the story of Abraham, Stephen showed again how God acted outside the Holy Land and God was with Joseph and his brothers in Egypt, making the point that God can work with individuals anywhere he chooses and in whatever way he chooses. I think we're starting to see a pattern. 
He then turns to Moses, and he has been accused of blaspheming Moses and, and the law that's been given by Moses because that's what they're all wound up about. Oh, he's blaspheming Moses, and they're holding Moses in this such high regard. And so he goes into telling the story of Moses and how he was raised by God, and he was trained in such a way that made him the right kind of leader for God's people. Moses was actually the one that the glory of God was revealed to in a whole new way at the burning bush in Mount Sinai. And again, how it wasn't in the temple, it wasn't in the Holy Land. He also went over how Moses became the rejected rescuer. That he was rejected in Egypt by his people when they, at the point when Moses fled into Midian and rejected when they asked Aaron to build them a golden calf and they can, they're continued turning away from God when Moses, all Moses wanted them to do was follow God. He also highlighted that Moses himself told the people that there would be a prophet like him from the house of Israel. He also then turns to the temple. They're upset about Moses, the law, and the temple. And so he tells the story of how the tabernacle of meeting and how God had given Moses the exact instructions and how it should be built and how that tabernacle went everywhere with the Israelites, into battle, into the promised land. He briefly goes into David wanting to build a permanent temple and how his son Solomon eventually did. And then he quotes the prophet Isaiah. He says this, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that, asked the Lord. Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? Put simply, Moses or Stephen says that the Most High doesn't dwell in houses that were made by human hands. And you might be going, why does he say that? Why would this affect the council? Why would they react to something like this? Well, what we need to understand is that today, if we were to walk into a shop and we see something and it says it's made by hand, we get real excited, right? We get excited because it's good quality, it's not mass-produced, it has unique qualities to it, we think it probably will stand up better, it'll last longer, and so when we see something today that says made by hand, it's a good thing, but not to ancient Israelites. If you were to tell them something was made by hand, it meant that God did not make it or command it, and it was merely a human invention. That phrase was given, if that phrase was given to something made by hand, it could be something that was worshipped in ancient Israel. And the prime sin that we have seen, and Stephen has, like, throughout history said here, the prime sin was this, that, that idolatry and worshipping something that wasn't God. Over and over, throughout the Israelite history, they have done this. That they have, over time, always been worshiping things made by hand. Stephen's point was this, is that God could be, could be found in the temple, and, and then, but he can be found in Mesopotamia, Egypt, and the desert. That God cannot and will not be confined, and that, was, and that God's plan was for all nations, not just the Jewish nation. He's saying this, this hit them, he shot a dart and it hit him in the heart because he said, you guys are worshiping the temple. Who built that temple? Humans. You want to talk about the temple? You want to talk about God? What are you truly worshiping? He suddenly takes this, like, turn out of, out of Jewish history, and he turns his vengeance or his words towards the listeners. 
And he says this in verse 51. He says, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart, and you are deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? Because that's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. Stephen here insists that the high council's refusal to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah, to acknowledge that they have murdered him, and it truly reflected the council's negative attitude towards God's messengers throughout all of history. Though Joseph was to be his brother's deliverer, they hated him. Moses was sent to lead them, and, they re- and he was rejected by his own people. The prophets announced the coming of the righteous one and, and urged the nations towards faith in God had been killed by their own ancestors. Stephen says this sin, this rebellion against God, and the rejection of God's plan is all throughout all of histories, and they could try and just blame it on the past, but really, they were continuing the tradition of idolatry, and rebellion against God. I love Stephen. I, he doesn't hold anything back. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'll tell you your history, because you know that they're all sitting there listening to him tell this story about Moses and Abraham, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And, and then he takes this right turn, but he's like, you're doing the same thing. You're doing the exact same thing. You are carrying on this tradition. He held nothing back. He let them have it. He went for the jugular and he hit it. And they had had enough. And we see their reaction. And for the sake of time, I want to just summarize it with this way. The Jewish leaders, they're, they're ticked. They are so mad that they are gnashing their teeth. They're shaking their fists. And Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he, he actually gazes up into heaven and he saw the glory of God at that point and he saw Jesus standing at the place of honor at God's right hand. And he says it out loud just to, just to turn the screwdriver a little bit more because he says this, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in place of honor at God's right hand. There were people there at that high council that remember Jesus saying, I will be standing at the right hand of my Father. He hit him in the jugular. He hit him a little harder. And so as he's saying this, they put their hands over their ears because they don't want to hear anymore. They're being cut to the heart. They know. And so they rushed him. They drug him out of the city, and they began to stone him. And the accusers took off their coats, and they laid him at the feet of a young man named Saul. And we'll hear more about Saul next week. And they stoned him. And Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he also asked that this sin of stoning him, that they would not be, that God wouldn't hold them against it, hold it against them. And he died. And so maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you're a little bit like the high council, like, yeah, Aaron, this is great. Thanks for the history lesson. I guess I didn't know I needed to know so much about Jewish history. I think it's important to understand Stephen's story and the history lesson that he does give because we have a part to play in in moving God's plan forward. And we need to understand this, that the growth of the church and the spread of the gospel is not 
the work of human beings or human hands, but rather the Holy Spirit's work in and through his people. It's not by our hands. We're the catalyst, right? We're that one piece. But we need to understand that the growth of the church and the spread of the gospel, not just here in our community, not just here in our nation, but all over the world, it's because of the Holy Spirit's work. And so how does, how does this happen? How do we understand what our part is in this? We have to first just take action to pursue God with everything that we have like Stephen did. To be so bold, to be so courageous, to stand up for what we know and what we believe that it doesn't matter what it costs us. Maybe you're here and you hear filled with the Holy Spirit and the hairs in the back of your neck just like, oh no, they're going to talk about this. This is something that shouldn't be feared but sought after. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean he takes you over and you have no control or make you a hostage, you have to take action first. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to fill us up, to guide us, and to direct us. Allow him to give you those words of wisdom in that moment where you're like, I don't really know what to say. Listen for a second, maybe he'll tell you. He will give us courage, encouragement, peace. He'll convict us at times. I like to think of the Holy Spirit as a coach. I'm a sports fan. I love sports. Coaches don't just teach, but they help you through a process of discovery. The Holy Spirit will help you through the process of discovering who God is and what he has for each one of us. Coaches, they ask powerful questions. There's that conviction. He will expand our thought processes and identify limited beliefs in ourselves when he says, no, you've got this potential. He'll help you get action plans in place, and he'll follow up. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is with you always. The Holy Spirit's a great coach. He's a great mentor. Somebody that will teach and guide and direct you into doing exactly what God made you to do. One of my other things today is this, is are we allowing his spirit to guide and direct us enough for us to be used to move his plan, to move his church forward. Because we talk about the early church a lot and how it started, and then we think, yeah, that was great. They had to do all these steps. We still have a part to play. The church is still active. Not just this building, the big C, churches, our church, believers all over the world. His plan still has to go forward. It's still in action. Are we allowing his spirit to guide and direct us to where he wants us to be in that? I would like it if we could all stand as I wrap this up this morning. And I, I really hope that this story, like maybe you just seen Stephen in a different light. Like this is a really short, short Sunday school story we've all heard, but maybe, man, there is so much more to this. And so like last week, I want to leave us with just maybe a couple questions for us to think about when it comes to how are we living this out? How are we being guided by the Holy Spirit? How are we being changed by the Holy Spirit? And the first one of my questions is this, is have our own traditions 
made us so comfortable that we have overlooked how God is moving his plan forward? Have our own traditions made us so comfortable that we have overlooked how God is moving his plan forward? We've missed it. Traditions. Traditions have been put in place. Buildings have been built. We've set these things in place, and they are to be a catalyst, one part of it, to move our relationship with God closer. But I think from the early church until now, I think that more often than not, these things that we have set up to try and make our relationship with God closer have become something that we worship. This might sound a little harsh, but I was thinking about, well, think about the things that we do around the church. And before anybody goes nuts, these are good things. We are going to continue these things. But have we given them too much importance where we've taken our focus off Jesus and Jesus alone? Things like baby dedication, water baptism. Again, good things. Do we put too much emphasis on it? Communion, our worship, <laughs> even our service order. I mean, think about it. We, we, we're going to go to church today. We sing three songs. We pray. And then we have a message and we go. Has that become something of a tradition that we're like, okay, why are they changing things up? Or is our focus on God? Is our worship time focused on God or get me in and out of here? Have our traditions made us so comfortable that we miss God's plan? God's desperately trying to move it forward. And the second thing is this. Isn't it about time that we allow God's story to be looked at in a different light? So that we can truly see if we are in the right place with the right heart for God to use us. Think about it. Stephen told a story, a story they'd all heard before. But when we take a look at how Stephen lays that story out, we see it in a different light. We see God's plan from the beginning until then, and it's still continuing now. So maybe we need to open our eyes, listen to the Holy Spirit, and have him show us when we open our Bible at maybe a passage we've read a thousand times, that we see it in a different light to see if our heart is in the right spot so that God can use us. We sang a song earlier that it's called Make Room. How we will make room for you. And I might throw Carrie for a loop here, but I was wondering, I think we should sing these words. Because maybe we need to take some of those traditions and those things that we worship and we lay them at God's feet and say, I'm going to serve you and you alone. My focus is you and you alone. To not sing these words as lip service, but truly mean it with everything that we have so that we are in the right spot for God to use us. So let's sing that chorus. And let's mean it. Let's lay those things at God's feet. God, this morning you hear us as we sing these words. My prayer, God, is that it is our heart's cry. 
to break down the things that we've built up and put too much importance in rather than focusing on who you are and how you want to use us. God, there are good things that we do here in this church to bring us closer to you, but God, help us not to make them idols in our life. God, I just thank you for the story of Stephen. I thank you for his boldness, for his dependence on the Holy Spirit, for his willingness to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit, to speak when he was allowed to speak, to hear you when you wanted to speak to him. God, my heart for myself and for all of us in here today, God, is that we would be filled up, that we would be guided by the Holy Spirit as we walk out these doors as we go and we have dinner with friends or family, as we go to work tomorrow, as we go into our school tomorrow, God, that we would be so full of you that people would wanna know what's different. That we would share our story and be a catalyst for somebody coming to know you. God, break us out of our comfort zone. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for continuing to move your plan forward when we see something like this where Stephen is killed, but yet it shot your plan into what you wanted it to be. That we see something as it being bad, but it was something good for your plan. God, thank you for this time together. Be with each person as they leave here. Give them safety. Again, speak to them so clearly. Thank you for this time with you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit speaking. Jesus, we love you. Amen.